Hello and welcome back to the Comparative and Omics Tools in Biopsych webinar series. This is part three, Comparative Genomics. I'm Alexander Shearer, speaking on behalf of the Bioinformatics Research Group at SRI International, and I'm showing off some of the features and tools available on biopsych.org. In part one, we introduced you to the cellular overview and showed you what you could see there. In part two, we showed you the cellular omics viewer that lets you look at omics data on a cellular metabolic overview. In part three, we're going to look at comparative genomics tools in biopsych, specifically ways you can compare across different organisms or ways you can get some interesting information out of a single organism. At the end of part two, I told you we'd be moving on to comparative analysis, and I pointed you to the link down here on the query page. So we'll click on that now. This takes us to the comparative analysis summary table page. This page lets you generate summary tables for a single organism or for a number of organisms comparing one or more traits or sets of characteristics across those organisms. So let's take a look at the kind of comparative analyses we can do. We can look at reactions, pathways, compounds, proteins, transporters, and transcription units. And we're able to do this across one or more of the organisms from the entire biocyte collection. So that's our tier one, two, and three organisms. Now, this is a wide range of possibilities. There's a lot you could do here. The sort of simplistic example that I like to use as a start is, say we're trying to design a drug that will target tularemia, so Francisella tularensis, but we don't want to hurt the person or their normal bacterial flora. And say we're interested in looking at reactions we might be targeting. Well, so we're going to click on reactions, so that's what we'll be comparing. And note, you could compare more than one thing at the same time, but I'm going to stick with reactions for now. Then, we just need to go down and click on a couple organisms from this big selection. So we have Homo sapiens, so we have us. And scrolling down some more, we have E. coli, which is my simplistic stand-in for normal bacterial flora. And we have Francisella tularensis, our nominal pathogenic bad guy for this example. So having chosen our three organisms we're going to compare this time, I'll click Submit. And what we get is this kind of comparative analysis summary results page. And as the warning at the top here shows you, you're not only looking at differences in biology here, you're looking at differences in curation. And this is a good example because E. coli K12, this is EcoPsych we're looking at. That's a tier one heavily curated database. It's going to be more populated and probably more accurate than a lot of the automatically generated databases. And the Homo sapiens and Francisella databases have received some curation, but not nearly as much as E. coli. And of course, the entire tier three collection has had only manual QA and no manual curation. And as it tells us here, any cell of a table that is a hyperlink can be clicked to see more detail about the contents of the cell. I'll show you kind of what that means. And so what we get here, we get a number of breakdowns for a reaction analysis. We get a breakdown of reactions by type. So this is a high level view of each organism. So we have Homo sapiens reactions in which all substrates are small molecules, about 1,000, about 1,000 in E. coli, and about 600 in Tularensis. And again, this probably reflects curation differences. Uh, transport reactions definitely reflects curation differences, and so on and so forth. Reactions of small molecule metabolism. And you see total numbers, numbers with identified enzymes, numbers without total EC numbers, because you have partial EC numbers, and so on. 
and then a breakdown of reactions by top-level EC categories, and then finally a distribution of isozymes across the different small molecule reactions, which is to say, what percentage of your reactions have, well, let's look here, a single enzyme catalyzing them, two, three, more. We can see that Homo sapiens, as represented in our human psych database here in the Biosite collection, has 20 reactions for which there are 10 or more isozymes for each reaction, which is pretty impressive. Uh, e. coli tops out with two reactions that have six to ten isozymes, and Francisella, as we have it, tops out with one reaction with five isozymes. So that's all kind of useful, high-level information, but you might want to take a closer look. And you could, for example, click on one of the categories. Say we're interested in looking at oxidoreductases. Clicking on that link generates this table of all the oxidoreductase activities across all three organisms. So it's the union of the available oxidoreductase activities. And what we then get is a link, and each one of these links will actually take you to a detailed comparison across all organisms. I'll do that in a moment. And over here in X, indicating whether the thing is present in all of them or not. We can see our top set of oxidoreductases. They all have it. And if I click down, we can see that maybe oxidoreductases are not the best drug target in our fictional drug development that we're imagining. With that in mind, let's return to the original page and try a different category. Back to the original comparison page. My organisms are still selected. Let's go back to the top of the page. Instead of looking at reactions, let's look at functional units. Let's look at pathways. So I've clicked Pathways. I'm going to page down again. And once more, I'm going to submit. And now we're comparing pathways across coli, Francisella, and Homo sapiens. So once again, this takes us to a comparative analysis summary results page. This time for pathways. And so we get a breakdown by pathway class here. So you can see we have different categories. So say we pick a category like fatty acids and lipids. And we're going to click on this. And it takes us over here to a comparison by pathway. And now we can see a couple of different cases. Uh, for example, we can see a case for a pathway that's present in all three organisms elongation of saturated fatty acids. So let's click on that. And this is a pathway comparison. Now this is important because this is also a comparison that you can get to from each individual pathway. So actually let's go to an individual organism's pathway page very quickly and see how you do that. This is the fatty acid elongation saturated pathway page for E. coli. Now say we wanted to do a cross-species comparison just looking at this pathway rather than comparing across the whole organism. Well, each pathway page has this cross-species comparison button. So you can click on that, and it will take you to this kind of comparison. Now in this case, because we preloaded the species we were looking at from the comparative page, 
they're already selected. Otherwise, it would have taken us to a selection page. And down at the bottom, we have this option to change organisms. But let's look at the kind of comparison we have here right now. So what we have is this chart that has the organism in the left column, an evidence glyph, enzymes and genes for the pathway, and operons. Now, from left to right, what are we dealing with? OK, organism is obvious. That's whatever organism is in that row. Evidence glyph. The evidence glyph shows a schematic view of the pathway with highlighting for the different reactions in the pathway indicating why we think those exist. So let's start up here with Homo sapiens. So you can see the very first reaction step here is in magenta. A magenta reaction step is spontaneous or otherwise not catalyzed by an enzyme. And so this can indicate things that are not individual reactions or things that are spontaneous reactions. Then we have green. A green painted reaction indicates that we think an enzyme for that reaction is present and has been identified in that organism. Then down below here, this is a nice little hodgepodge, we have both black, which indicates an enzyme is absent, and orange and green, and we know green indicates an enzyme is present, and orange indicates a unique reaction. Now, how do we have both a black and a green? Well, that's because, let's look down at some, somewhere where this pathway is fully elucidated in E. coli. There are two isozymes that carry out this bottom step. In E. coli, they're both marked as present, and one of them is unique to that pathway. And this uniqueness, why this matters, uniqueness means we've identified this enzyme for this pathway and for no other pathways in this organism. And this might matter because, say, we're showing you a pathway, and it's a predicted pathway. It's one of our Tier 3 databases. And there's only one enzyme we've assigned to that pathway, and it's not unique. In that case, you might look at that pathway and think, eh, maybe I don't believe that exists. But if we assign a single enzyme to that pathway, and it's unique, then you might be more inclined to think that it exists. So in the case of this reaction step in E. coli, we've assigned two enzymes to it. One of them is unique. In the case up here of Homo sapiens, and in the case down here in Francisella, we have assigned one unique enzyme to this reaction step, but we haven't assigned the other isozyme that we might expect to see based on the microbial pathway. Then here we have a list of enzymes that carry out this reaction with their EC number, if that's available. And I can actually click through from this to the object in that specific organism's database. So let's do that now. And here we have this reaction in Homo sapiens. And this is a reaction page, as you should be familiar with if you've played around with the Biopsych database collection or if you've watched the Introduction to Biopsych webinar series. So let's back up. Now, the reaction will be listed, and the reactions will all be there if the pathway is predicted in that organism or assigned in that organism. But over here, we have enzymes and genes. And in this case, you notice that two of the enzyme steps have no actual enzyme associated with it. They're just reactions, meaning we don't know of an enzyme that carries out those steps in Homo sapiens. And down below here, in Tularensis, we have a similar issue. To the right here, we have the operons column. In the operons column, we show the genes that code for the enzymes that are 
are involved in the pathway, and we show them in their transcription unit context. So what you can do is, at a glance, compare how regulation works across different organisms. And now we don't have this kind of data right now for Homo sapiens, but we have it for everything else. So for example, you can look at E. coli K12, and you can look at Tularensis, and you can see, well, you know, in Tularensis, FabF, FabG, FabH, all together. In coli, FabF and FabG, together. Interesting. And of course, FabH is a FabF isozyme, so functionally, this transcription unit is a lot like this one. And we might want to take a look at the other genes involved in both if we're interested in studying the differences and the similarities between these pathways as they appear in these different organisms. So that's a pathway comparison. Now let's back up a step. Okay, what happens if we look at a pathway that isn't present in all the organisms? Now our drug targety ideal would be something that's just present in Tularensis, but we don't seem to be seeing that. So how about something that's present in E. coli and Tularensis? Like lipid A precursor biosynthesis. So I'll click on that. And we get this. When a pathway is not marked as present in an organism, we're told that. But we still get the evidence glyph, you know, because we might for some reason have a pathway that's not marked as present, but it might have components that are present. And you might want to reevaluate that. You know, maybe you think you know something that we didn't know when we generated the database, or that the genome annotation folks didn't know when they annotated the genome. And it's useful to you to know that one or more reactions are present. In this case, none of the reactions are present, which is not shocking since this is lipid A biosynthesis. And you can see that the, present, the pathways are both completely present in coli and tularensis. So now let's back up to the comparative analysis page. And look at one of the last uses of comparative analysis, which is looking at a single organism. So let's deselect E. coli and Francisella and Homo sapiens. And let's pick something from the tier 3 collection. Uh, let's go with Nitrosococcus oceani, which is an organism I'm not actually very familiar with. And let's look at everything. So I've selected everything, I've selected my organism, and now I hit submit. Okay, so here's a full report on a single organism. And this is also a good way to show off all the different kinds of things you can see on one of these reporting pages. So again, we have a breakdown of reactions by type. We have reactions of small molecule metabolism, uh, reactions by EC category, distribution of isozymes, the breakdown of pathways by pathway class, a nice long list. And this is a really nice snapshot view of the organism. It's sort of a text snapshot in the way that the cellular overview is a big graphical snapshot of metabolism. And this is nice because you can just at a glance say, well, look, we have 37 amino acid pathways, 33 cofactor pathways, 7 nucleoside and nucleotide pathways, huh, no aldehyde pathways, no chlorinated compound pathways. Is that interesting? Is that special? Well, it's something to look at. Pathway holes. Then we have this pathway hole analysis. And so pathway holes are reactions in pathways that we've identified or predicted in that organism that don't have an enzyme assigned to them. 
and this represents opportunities for research or opportunities for you to curate an organism and bring it even closer to the reality of the experimental data for that organism. And you know, while our process involves both predicting pathways and then predicting enzymes to fill pathway holes, we will still have pathway holes left at the end of the day when we make a tier 3 pathway genome database. So, for example, we know that in this organism we have 227 pathway holes, which is 29% of the total number of reactions in pathways. We have 100 pathways without holes. We have 54 pathways with a single hole, 34 with missing two enzymes, 8 that are missing 3, 7 that are missing 4, 2 that are missing 5, and 9 that are missing more than 5, and 114 total pathways with holes. And so this is interesting, and actually if we were to click on one of these links, you'd see a list of pathways with one hole. And you can click on these individually. Let's go with alanine biosynthesis. And you see alanine biosynthesis. And actually, because this is a tier 3 database, if you go down here, you see the pathway evidence glyph. Even when you're not actually doing a comparison, that evidence glyph is there. And it will explain to you on what basis we've predicted that pathway in that organism. So let's back up. Okay, then we have statistics about compounds. And you may notice this is a really long page. <laughs> the statistics on the frequency with which compounds appear in different metabolic reactions. 81 reactions with carbon dioxide, 68 with coenzyme A, 56 with ammonia, 53 with glutamate, 46 with oxygen, etc., etc., etc. Some protein stats, total number of polypeptides, number of them that are metabolic enzymes, Number of complexes, none in this case, because in general complexes have to be curated in. Orthologs. So let's go back up here. This table identifies orthologs that are shared among all the specified organisms as well as proteins that are unique to each organism. So this ends up being a little silly because, of course, all of the enzymes are shared inside the given organism. So you're just going to have to end up scrolling through a very long list and this is actually what makes up the bulk of this page and so that kind of shows you which things are and are not useful to do across a single organism then you have a listing of multifunctional enzymes a listing of transporters and this is really nice uh, this is nice in this case we're looking at uh, a bug where we care a lot about the transporters so we have uptake transporters efflux transporters transports as transporters assigned to transport reactions genes assigned to them, etc. And down below, substrate uptake, just compounds that come into the cell, compounds that come into the cell that feed into pathways, and so on. And then what's getting kicked out of the cell? Uh, compounds that are pathway outputs, compounds that are not pathway outputs. Then how many pathway outputs are not transported out of the cell? Then a number of other things. Transcriptional information, which is generally going to be a bunch of zeros for a tier 3 database. Uh, genes per transcription unit, which is really interesting and can let you take a look in this case at the predicted transcription units. So we have 1,425 sort of direct ons, which are these single gene transcription units. We have 402 two gene transcription units, etc., etc. Number of operons per pathway. I'm interested, so sort of a range 
of statistics, probably more than you can use in one gasp. You're probably already a little bit lost and not paying attention by the time I'm down to the bottom of the page, but I'm just going to go back to the top of the page here. And the thing to remember is you can choose which one or all of these reports you want. Okay. So, at the end of the day, our comparative genomics tools let you compare different kinds of traits like reactions, pathways, compounds, proteins, and transcription across different organisms in the collection or let you get a report on any given organism in the collection. So in part four, we're going to look at one final type of comparison between organisms, the ortholog viewer. Now you saw an ortholog chart on this page and you can look at the total set of orthologs across a number of organisms using this comparison page. But if you want to look at ortholog comparison for a given gene, there's a different way to do that and I'll show you how to do that in part four of this comparative and omics tools webinar series. Thank you.